We've come to the end, amen? amen. Oh, no. Amen. Oh, no. The end that is the beginning. Uh, if y'all don't mind, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. We began last night talking about a biblical portrait of manhood. This morning we opened up with the danger of an isolated man. Then third session we dealt with men serving in kingdom community. And in this last session we want to talk about men on, men on a mission. Men on a mission. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3, the Bible reads, Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had brought up Herod with the tetrarch, Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them. And they sent them away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we need you, God, to speak to us one last time, God, while we are here gathered at this man camp. Lord, we ask, God, that you would minister by your spirit into our hearts and our minds. I pray, God, that you would begin to shape and form, Lord, through all of the breakout sessions, through all of the new relationships forged and the connections made. Father God, a community of men that are on mission. Father God, men that realize that there's no need for us to be isolated. Men who realize that there is a divine design and a portrait of biblical manhood that you have laid out through the scripture that you uh, desire for us to fulfill. But finally, God, I pray, God, that as we leave this place, we would leave this place prepared to be men on a mission. And so, Holy Spirit, speak now and do what only you can do in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and thank God. As we talk about men being on a mission in Acts 13, 1 through 3, and in a few other places that we're going to talk about, is there a couple things that I want to share with you that throughout this time together, we started out talking about the biblical portrait of manhood. And then we talked about the whole issue of the danger of an isolated man. And we moved to Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 through 12. In Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 through 12 we, we learned that two are better than one for they have a great return on their labor. And at the very end in verse 12 it says uh, if there's one man he, uh, he may not be able to resist him but if there's two and it talks about the three cord strand uh, that's not easily broken. You're going to notice that Jesus Christ begins to send out men as we talked about in the last session two by two. But then the Apostle Paul is going going to do something else uh, here in the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul is going to start going on mission for ministry purposes with one man that is a peer, like we'll see Barnabas, another man that's a peer, like we'll see Silas, but then they'll also take an understudy, a pupil, and they'll take John Mark, and they'll also take Timothy, and later on they're going to pick up Titus for ministry purposes. But there's always this relationship, and I pray that this is an easy dynamic for us to to get is that there are two men that are peers in experience with different with different skill sets different giftings and then they take a younger man with them and the goal is is they could take this younger man and invest the faith in him that they can really create a spiritual system by which when we check out of the ball game there's nothing wrong with the system because we've trained up another young man if we walk throughout biblical history you're going to see this concept of two men working together most 
Moses and Joshua, one older, one younger. Elijah and Elisha, one older, young, one younger. David and Solomon. You'll continue to see throughout biblical history that someone is prepared to pass the ministry off to the next generation. Even with the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his ascension, there were the apostles left to carry the ministry on. If we're going to do effective men's ministry to where we are men on a mission, we have to recognize that God has called us, number one, to work with a pure man, but then God has called us to work with a pupil man. Somebody that's younger than us, so that when you and I check out of here and go, go on to be with heaven, that there's still a legacy of the faith left intact that we know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to progress because we invested in the next generation. And so right here in Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3, I want to concentrate real quick where it says, uh, in, in verse 2, it says, While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, and underline this, for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. Notice that the Bible says that they called them for a specific work. That when men get together, one of the things that we don't want to shortchange ourselves on is we don't want to just get together to get together. We want to get together on a purpose, that we have a mission to fulfill. And that mission is the carrying out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That all the time that we get together, we may fish together, we may do whatever we do together, but sooner or later, we have to be about the real mission of carrying out the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the world. And so here's Paul and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit said set aside these men. But notice the Bible said they were ministering to the Lord. They were in an environment where they were praising God. They were worshiping God. They were praying to God. And in that environment the Holy Spirit spoke. The concentration was on ministering to God. But then the Holy Spirit spoke. And it was, it, it, it was clear that the Holy Spirit said set aside for me among these other men. Because they just mentioned them I mean, it says, set aside for me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to do. In other words, I'm called to do a work with a brother. I'm not just called to hang out with a guy. And oftentimes in Christianity, we can get this thing mixed up where we just shortchange ourselves and say, I'm just going to hang out with this brother. No, God has ultimately called you and I to be on mission where God wants us to do something with another man to progress the work of Jesus Christ. And then notice as soon as it says, it, set them aside for the work that I've called them to do, then it says, and when they set them aside, they fasted and prayed and then sent them out. Because if we're going to do this work properly, once again, just like we talked about last night, we have to be men of prayer. We have to be men of total dependence on God. Now, when God sends us out two by two, there may be a man that we talked about earlier where we're saying, hey, here's somebody that God has called us to minister to. There may be a friend that you know that you're praying for, a guy at your job, a guy in your neighborhood, somebody that you know that you're praying for. Bring one of your brothers from in here and take him out to lunch. When two guys or three guys go out to lunch with one guy and these three guys are saying, here's what God is doing in my life, brother, and I'm praying for you and I'm concerned about you and I want to share the gospel with you. That's power in that. When they see two men, three men testifying that we're here for one purpose, brother. We're not here just to go to Papa Do's with you right now. We're here to talk about your soul. We're going to hang out with you to the degree that we've got to work and we don't want to see your soul left in an eternity in hell, but God may be talking to you today to make sure that you get transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. So these guys understand why they're getting together. They're not just men going to hang out. They realize God has called us for a work. Now, 
In Acts 13, verse 1 to 3, God designed Barnabas and Paul to initiate kingdom work together. God designed Barnabas and Paul to initiate a kingdom work together. Now, Barnabas has been instrumental in Paul's life. Because when Paul gets saved, nobody wants to believe that Paul's saved. No, 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 no. No, we don't, we don't believe that guy's saved. He said, no, no, no. He go, Barnabas goes down, checks on him, says he's a legit guy. And then in Acts chapter 11, Barnabas is doing work in... Uh, in uh, Barnabas is doing work in Tarsus in Antioch. While he's doing work in Antioch and he's making disciples of Gentiles, notice this. He, they say, go check on the disciples in Antioch, see if they're real. And he's making disciples and then he travels down to Tarsus and he goes and he gets Paul and says, come back with me. Why? Because he realizes that God has called Paul in Acts chapter 9 to have a ministry to the Gentiles. When he realized that Paul has been called, he said, man, this is the work that God wants you to be in on. Now the apostles did not send Paul. They sent Barnabas on the work. But Barnabas realized Paul needs to be in on this work. So he brings Paul to participate in the work. And the Bible says, and they made many disciples there. And it says, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, why were they first called Christians in Antioch? It was when they finally went across ethnic lines in preaching of the gospel. See, the Great Commission is telling 12 Jewish guys, 11 Jewish guys, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. He's telling 11 Jewish guys to go speak across ethnic lines to share the gospel. Now, here's the interesting thing about church. Church is generally made up of us's. People just like us. And there's nothing wrong with predominantly white churches, predominantly black churches, predominantly Asian or Hispanic. There's nothing wrong with that. But you don't just work with all white people. I hope not. I hope a couple brothers got a job. Uh, <laughs> You don't just work with all black people. You don't work with all Hispanic people. You don't work with all Asian. You work among a conglomeration of people. And God says, here's where you'll see power. When you start seeing people of all nations coming together under the banner of the cross. <coughs> men who believe that the reason why I'm here and the reason why I'm a brother with you, although, <coughs> although we may not share ethnic background, as we're here together because of the cross. We recognize that Jesus Christ has saved us. He's the Lamb of God that's come to take away the sins of the world. <coughs> and as a result, Jesus Christ is the one who has brought us together under the banner of the cross. So here in Acts chapter 11, what you see all of a sudden is that they start preaching the gospel to more than Jews. It said some men start preaching the gospel to the Greeks. And they get saved. Paul and them come down and they begin to make disciples. And they're first called Christians there at Antioch. And the hand of the Lord was with them. So Barnabas and Paul have a history of doing ministry together. But now all of a sudden, there's an ordained work by the church. It says in the church there were prophets and there were teachers. And now while inside that church, why is the church important? Because the church ought to be giving men assignments to go do ministry. The church ought to be giving assignments to men to be on mission. The church ought to be doing that. I need to get my assignment and I need to be approved by the local church saying God is moving in these men's life. I can see that God is, has his hand on these men. And all of a sudden they go out and they start preaching the gospel. And as they go out, they take a young man, John Mark, with them. And John Mark begins to go on missionary journey with them. But while they're out, they're not just out hanging out. Paul and Barnabas are preaching the gospel. And people are getting overwhelmed. In Acts chapter 13, walk down to this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. In Acts chapter 13, verse 42, Paul 
Paul has preached after he was sent out by the Holy Spirit and by the church. Check out verse 42. As Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. When, Paul, when you read the sermon that Paul just preaches in Acts 13, when they left, the people were begging, hey, hey, man, hey, preach that next week. Don't, don't, don't get another message. Preach Jesus next week. And, and all of a sudden, you see that these men, people were begging that the word of God got heard. Oh, man, is he over? Is he finished? No, the people heard about the grace of God, the power of God through the person of Jesus Christ. They heard about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the people were begging that the word of God be preached next week. Now watch. Verse 43. Now when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them were urging them to continue in, in the grace of God. Now notice this. They're begging. Men, preach on this next week. Check out verse 44. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. The reason why people gathered together, the reason why it was so, me, me, people went home, man, bro, look here. You weren't here last week to hear this word? You need to hear this word next week. And so all of a sudden, it was so powerful, the word of God and how the word of God was impacting people's lives. They went and told everybody in the community. And there was all of a sudden, it, it, it wasn't this old youth ministry stuff. Hey, you bring three friends and we'll give you, a, you know, a Milky Way bar. You know, you bring five friends and, you know, you, we'll bring you a Hershey's uh, with almonds, you know. Not that kind of stuff, you know. No, it was people heard the word of God and they begged to hear the word of God. They weren't bored hearing the word of God. They wanted the word of God to be preached and they went and told friends about it and said, hey man, come. And as they preach, the Bible says some Jews reject the word of God. Paul and Barnabas said, hey man, sorry you guys rejected this thing. He said, God has called us to be a light to the Gentiles. And the Bible says, and the Gentiles rejoice. And it says, and those that have been appointed for salvation believed. That there were some people that are out there that had Paul and Barnabas not gotten their assignment and not gone and preached, there would not have been some people out there that had believed. But God put those men on assignment, on mission, because there was somebody out there to hear and believe. Don't make this thing too big, brothers. It was some guys simply traveling in a place and going and preaching the gospel. That simply means when you go back to your Brazosport area, there's some friends that you already raised your hand to in the previous session. The two or three y'all need to be getting together and praying for this brother over the next two to three months. As you're praying for him, you pray that God, according to Colossians 4, 2 through 6, would open a door for the word of God. You sit down with that lunch over brother or dinner, uh, with that brother over lunch or dinner, and you begin to share the gospel with him. You don't just get scared. No, no. Brother, we're here to talk to you about Jesus. And there are going to be some people that were appointed to salvation. And here's what God is going to do. Because of your willingness to go and share the gospel, God is going to take a dead man and make him live right in front of you. And when you start getting on that mission and you start seeing God call you to that, you're going to the ends of the earth. Why? Because you realize if God has used me to take this man from death to life, and this man had a free ticket to hell with gasoline draws on and was going to light it up, and now this dude is in heaven because I shared the gospel with him, that's good news. Amen. And that there's some more men out there that are going to hear that good news and get saved. So now watch this. The next thing that he does is that these men go out and they complete their work. But this work is sometimes hard and difficult work. Go with me to Acts 14 verse 21 through 26. In Acts 14 verse 21, 
But while the disciples stood around, Paul had just gotten rocked for preaching the gospel. And they left him there half dead. They thought he was dead. And, but while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. And after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to, to continue in the faith. Now notice this, that these men are out making disciples. They are out making disciples. You know you are a disciple when you have been made a disciple and you can make another disciple. You are not a disciple just because you hang out with somebody else. You are a disciple when you have been trained. In essence, you have been made. Jesus Christ says, and I will make you fishers of men. That's Matthew 4, 18 through 22. I will make you fishers of men. That's Matthew 4, 18 through 22. Matthew 28, now go and make disciples. Why? Because from chapter 4 to chapter 28, I've made you. And now that I've made you, you can go and make disciples. And God expects us to make disciples. And so right here in the text, it says, they were strengthening the souls, verse 22, of the disciples. And they were encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. There's going to be some difficult days in the faith. Now check this out. When they had appointed elders from, the, uh, from them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord and to those whom he had believed. Now watch this. They passed through uh, Pisidia and into Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Persia, they went down to Attilia. And watch this. Uh, from there they sailed to Antioch, for which, had been, uh, which they had been commended to the grace of God. Watch this. For the work which they had accomplished. Did you see that? Verse, 20, verse 26. The work had been accomplished. God calls them to a work, Acts 13, 1 through 3. Acts 14, verse 26, the work is accomplished. That means that the work has been done. That what God had called them to do was finished. Now there's a big transition where Paul is getting ready to pick up another ministry partner. Paul's been hanging with Barnabas really from about Acts chapter 9 to about right here in Acts 14. But now... They're going to have a big debate, go down to Jerusalem. And when they go to Jerusalem and share the gospel, Paul is going to decide, I'm going a different direction than with Barnabas. Why? Because Barnabas is going to say, let's take John Mark back to the work. Paul said, hold up. Homeboy deserted us on the work. Uh, hey, hey, we're not going back to this dude who when we were out here doing difficult ministry, he wanted to go home with mom and eat some Cocoa Puffs. No, 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 no. We ain't going on a journey with him. And Paul and Barnabas separate. And a lot of people think that it was an argument. It wasn't really just an argument. Here's what it really, all they, although they had dissension, is that their work was done. My work with this brother had been accomplished. But now notice the next thing. I pick up Silas and I pick up Timothy. So Paul continues to pick up Silas and Timothy. Barnabas goes and ministers to John Mark. Later on, as Barnabas takes care of this brother John Mark, John Mark is going to write the gospel of Mark. Paul's going to call back for Mark. He needed to be encouraged. Notice that here's a brother that we're not going to leave behind. We're not going to leave. Barnabas like, I'm going to work on John Mark. You go and work with Silas and Timothy. Now, notice what happens next. In Acts chapter 15, verse 40 and 41, God designed Paul and Silas to engage in kingdom work and to finish kingdom work. But now... Uh, Acts 15 uh, verse 40 and 41 watch this but Paul chose Silas and left being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord and he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches Paul and Silas are now the new group of 
here men that are going out on mission to strengthen the churches. What their mission is as grown men is we are going to go strengthen the churches. And notice what the Bible says about Silas. What the Bible says about Silas was he was a prophet of his own right. The Bible says that Paul, who is an apostle, is hanging out with Silas. In other words, big dogs hang out with big dogs. In other words, if you're in the faith, you don't hang out with spiritual midgets to do ministry. You hang out with men that say, I want to accomplish something for God. I don't just hang out with cats that aren't interested in doing anything for the Lord. I don't hang out with lazy brothers in the faith. I hang out with guys because I realize that I've been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and that God is going to demand something, a return on this investment that he's given me. And I hang out with brothers that are going to progress the faith. Paul hangs out with other A-plus brothers in the faith. And what he does is he mentors younger brothers in the faith. But those younger guys that he mentors, he says, I'm expecting something from you. So Timothy, he picks up Timothy in Acts 16. The Bible says that Timothy was well spoken of among the brethren. That the other brothers said, hey man, this dude is a good, a good disciple. And the Bible says, and Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. It's a key word. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. Why is it a key word, Blake? I'm glad you asked. Because in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, the Bible says that Jesus chose the men who he wanted. Jesus, Mark 3, 13 through 14. Jesus chose the men who he wanted. You're in the room right now because Jesus wanted you in the family. Amen. Jesus wanted you to be a part of the family. So Paul picks up a young man and says, I want this man to go with me. And they go and they start strengthening the churches. As they go and start strengthening the churches and they go out on work, Paul and Silas end up in a place called Philippi. God gives Paul a clear vision. And he says, hey, there's a man in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And the Bible says that Luke, the physician, says, immediately we concluded that God wanted us to go and preach the gospel. Here's the vision. God wants us to go preach the gospel to him. They end up down in Philippi. And they run across a, uh, some women down there who were at a place of prayer. They preach to the women. The women get saved. Their household gets saved. They come across a demon-possessed girl. Cast the demon out of her, she gets saved. They get put in jail for it and beat down. And while in the midst of being in prison, they're singing and praising and blessing God. Now they just got beat down, whipped down, and are on lockdown, and they're in prison. And the Bible says around midnight, they began to sing and praise God. Now I don't know what they were singing, but I'm going to use my Holy Spirit imagination. Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make a boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And when they began to sing and pray in prison, all of a sudden God had an earthquake come down on prison and shook the place up. And they don't run out and get, oh, we can be free. The jailer runs in. The jailer's getting ready to kill himself. And what do they do? Preach the gospel to him. And the jailer gets saved. And the jailer's family gets saved. Why? Because these brothers know what they're on mission for. We're not trying to get out of prison. We're trying to get you out of hell, jailer. We need men on mission that realize every difficult moment that I might experience in life might be for another brother to get out of hell. 
And I got to have a brother that I'm partnering with, that I'm dealing with in the ministry, say, man, here's the situation. And the reason why we're in this situation, so this, God put us in this difficulty right now so that this man right here could hear the gospel. And we're not trying to selfishly get out of here. We're trying to serve God and progress this ministry. So all of a sudden you see Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas and Paul and Timothy. And then you're going to see Paul uh, disciple young men like Titus. Walk with me to Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, notice this pattern of three guys being together. Galatians 2 verse 1. Then after an interval of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. So now Paul and Barnabas also have Titus with them. Paul and Silas have uh, Timothy with them. And he says this, it was because of the revelation that I went up and I submitted the gospel which I had been preaching among the Gentiles, but I did so, but I did so in private to those who were of reputation for fear that I might have been running in vain. But not even Titus who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Now notice this, that Paul, who was a Jew of Jews, a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, this guy by the name of Saul, Juju, Christian, called to make disciples to the Gentiles. He's called to go across ethnic lines and he's going to call Titus my son in the faith. That's big time. Why? Because Jews and Samaritans don't even eat together. Jews, Samaritans are half-breeds. And so when Jesus meets the woman at Samaria, at the, the woman at the well, it says that the Jews would go around because they wouldn't go through Samaria. And it says they wouldn't even deal with each other. So in essence, let me put it to you like this. Dark-skinned black folk don't hang out with light-skinned Louisiana black folk who have been mixed with white folk. Amen. <laughs> That's a little cultural insight for you. Uh, so in essence, if you're really black, and then you got these what you call Cajun Creole folk over here that have been mixed around, we don't hang out with them. So you know that they don't hang out with the white guy. If they don't hang out with mixed blacks and mixed whites, you know they don't hang out with the white guy. Paul is now so serious about the gospel call that I'm no longer connected to my ethnicity. I'm connected to the cross. And if God has called me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, a Jew of Jew, and I'm going to call a Gentile my son? See, sometimes in Christianity, God calls us to do strange things. I tell the people at Crossover Bible Fellowship, here's the question. Are you going to go on your job with all black people and gossip with your brothers and there's an Asian brother on the job who's a Christian but you won't talk to him? But here's the Asian brother that you know he's a Christian, but here are the brothers over here unsaved, don't know Jesus Christ. You should be hooking up with the Asian brother, praying for the brothers to get saved. Because right now the brothers really ain't brothers. Yeah. They'll be brothers if they get saved. But what is it that, 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 that does the gospel make you design to have relationships beyond your levels of comfort? Because the Great Commission, brothers, is a call to the nations. It's a call to blacks, whites, a we all being Gentiles. People talk about black-on-black -black crime. Y'all, when black and white folk and black and Asian and black and, in and Indians and Spanish don't get together, you know what that's called? That's called Gentile-on-Gentile -Gentile crime. Amen. Any Jews in here? No Jews. Y'all, we're Gentiles. So we were the whole group of folk that God said, go preach to them, they don't know nothing. So when we don't get along, that's Gentile on Gentile crime. 
But God calls Paul to take the gospel all the way to the end of the world. And Paul says, man, I'm going to go share this gospel and this good news with whoever is out there. And he starts taking young guys like Timothy. And here's what he says. He takes Timothy, and I told it to you last night, and we'll close with this right here. He says, Timothy, be strong in the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace that's found in him. And he says, and when you find the grace in Jesus Christ, he said, these things that I've entrusted to you in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to other faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Why? Because Timothy, I need you and Titus to be on assignment to take the gospel to the ends of the world now that I'm getting ready to die. He leaves Titus in Crete. He says, Titus, you're on assignment in Crete. I want you to appoint elders in every city and raise up a strong church. Titus chapter 1 verses 4 through 5. Paul leaves the young men that he's discipled on assignment. As I look across the room right now, we've got some men that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and I won't go any higher because I think most of y'all are probably about 50, alright, alright. Now, but I also see some teenagers in the room. And what we ought to be preparing these teenagers for is them putting on their own retreat. We ought to have enough confidence in their faith in Jesus Christ that they put on their own retreat. That they're able to say, I'm able to go and tell my buddy about Jesus Christ, bring him in, and leave them on assignment. Paul left Timothy on assignment in Ephesus. Paul left Titus on assignment in Crete. The men that I've invested in, I have not invested in you to leave you to do nothing. I've left you that once I die and I'm gone, you're going to take the faith way beyond us. See, we got to start repairing men based on their identity in Christ for their responsibilities for Christ. No more brothers sitting down and sitting around saying, oh, I heard a good Bible study. We've heard enough good Bible studies. It's time to be on mission. We've got enough word in us. We've got enough Holy Ghost. We've got enough prayer. The question is, are we sending anybody? Are we targeting people? Paul, you go to the Gentiles. Peter, James, John, y'all go to the Jews. They were targeting folk. They were on mission. They were clear about their assignment. You know when you're unclear about your assignment? You're unclear about your assignment when you just come to church. I come to church. I attend church. I'm a regular. I'm faithful. I'm in men's group. I'm in, I, I'm in community group. You're unclear. You're unclear, and what clarifies that is when you recognize God called me to be on assignment. I could live in church my entire life and be saved and be unclear of my mission until somebody says, I've called you to do something. And when somebody says, here's what you're called to do, Blake, go get in the ball game. And then I go play, now I'm clear on my mission. See, there are people that you know that God has called you to preach to, that God has called you to teach to. There are people out there that your pastor may never see, but they're in your sphere of influence every single day. And it starts by getting down on your knees and saying, God, if you'll use anything, use me. God, this brother that I've been working with the last seven years, the last eight years, God, I know he doesn't know the Lord. He's not a bad guy. You know, he, he just doesn't know the Lord. You know, he's you know, he, he going to hell, but, but he just doesn't know the Lord. But the only reason I've been working with him for the last seven years is because God wanted me to tell Christ about him. Tell him about Christ. God wanted to use me. God wants to use brothers that recognize, here's where I am, called to do what I'm called to do. Y'all, I had an opportunity in the last few years to interact with uh, Matt Chandler, and I'm not trying to name drop or anything like that, please understand that. But I love when Matt tells his story about salvation. If you've ever heard Matt Chandler's story, a guy on his football team in Lamarck, Texas, 
says, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. When are we going to do that? <laughs> Matt's like, huh? He said, I'm gonna tell you, I want to tell you about Jesus. When are we going to do that? And Matt's like, what are you talking about? I, I want to talk to you about Jesus. When, when are we going to do that? When can we set aside, set aside some time to do that? Now, do you realize that when that dude told Matt Chandler about Jesus Christ, that he never knew that Matt Chandler was going to be Matt Chandler? <laughs> do you understand what I just said? That dude was just telling another dude on his football team in the locker room, and Matt Chandler will tell you, he said, man, he said, it's funny when Matt tells this little story, he says, when your coach calls you by your last name, that means you don't play. When your coach calls you by your number, you play. Ten, get in the game. When he calls you Chandler, you, you don't play. He said, I was on the football team, I didn't play. I, I wasn't any special uh, tight end or anything like that. I was a guy who just accidentally made the team on accident. They needed to fill up the, fill up the sideline. But this guy looks at a no-name friend by the name of Matt Chandler, shares the gospel with him in a high school locker room. Matt gets saved, and now Matt's pastoring and preaching to thousands all over the world and heading up Acts 29 Network. Why do I tell you that story? Because it might be a dude down there in Brazosport, Texas, and in, in, in y'all's area that, that y'all are in, that you share the gospel with as a result of this retreat, and you don't know who God has called him to be. You don't know who God has called him to be. And right now in the room, we don't know who God is calling you to be. God may have such amazing things planned for you that you don't even understand what's in store by being faithful to pass the gospel on to the next generation. Are we going to be men on a mission? When we go back, are we going to be men on a mission? Are we going to write down some names of men that we actually know that aren't saved and start praying and saying, God, use me? Just like this text started out in Acts 13. When they said, set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work they called him to do, the next thing they did is got down on their knees and prayed. So as we leave this place, I want us to leave praying. I'm done. But I want you to seriously, if you're serious about being a man on a mission, I want you to write down the name of one or two guys right now that you know that don't know Jesus. If you've already written them down, cool, but write them down. And I'm going to ask you to do something different if you can. I'm going to ask you to just get down on your knees at your chair and ask God, God, move in this man's life. Move in my conversations with this man, God, and set up an opportunity based on Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Open up a door for me to preach the gospel to him. Amen? I'm going to give you that time. There's somebody that God wants to save as you share the gospel with them.
still on. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you right now for the time that we've had together as brothers and as men at Man Camp 2016. Father, we ask, God, that you would take the prayers that we just prayed and the people that was the focus of those prayers, and God, that you would open up doors of real opportunity for us to share the gospel. God, go before us and begin to move in those men's hearts so that, Lord, that when we come, Lord, the door would be open. And God, grant us the grace to share the word in such a way, Father God, that you would allow it by the person and power of your spirit to be received. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and thank God. Real quick, I don't want to assume that every brother in here knows the Lord Jesus Christ and knows him personally for themselves. And so, if there is someone that you've heard the word of God this week and you said, I've heard about this Christian stuff, I'm down here with the brothers, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not for sure. I just don't want to make any assumptions. The Bible says that jailer asked a question, what must I do to be saved? And Paul responded, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe in what? Believe in what? Believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross, according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised from the dead on the third day. And by believing that message in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, he died for you in your sins. You have life in his name. You don't do anything, you simply believe. You place all your faith and all your trust that there is one who saved your soul, that thought about you enough that he would die on the cross just for you and pay for your sins. The first words that Jesus mentions off the cross is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so if that's you and you say, I want to know for sure that if I die, that I'm going to be in heaven and have an eternal relationship with the Lord. Not just escape hell. Not just escape hell. But right now I can begin to experience eternal life. And have a life that's lived on mission with God. And in an intimate relationship with God. And I can know God for myself. If that's you, just slip your hand in the air and we're going to pray for you. You don't get saved by slipping your hand in the air. You don't get saved by me praying for you. You get saved by believing. We just would like to identify you if that's you. Amen. Is that you? We're clear. If you didn't lift your hand in the air and you say, I believe I just was afraid to lift my hand in the air, you're in good shape. <laughs> but if you don't lift your hand in the air and you don't lift your heart and you don't believe, I pray for you. Amen. That when the next time you hear the voice of the Lord calling you through the gospel, you'll say, I want to put my faith and my trust in him and him alone. Amen. God bless you. we sing once more before we leave this morning there's a reason why the curse of sin is broken there's a reason why the darkness runs from light there's a reason why we stand here now forgiven Jesus is alive There's a reason why we are not over.